Father, thank you for the opportunity just to worship you today. And Lord, thank you that you are you're mighty to save. And not only are you mighty to save and to forgive us, uh, but Lord, today you're, Lord, you're mighty to move mountains. There are some people in here who have given their hearts to you. They've given their life to you. They've asked you to forgive their sin. Lord, in, in your life, you, you have been, in their life, you've been mighty to save. But God, they've not yet given you their mountain. The mountain of their marriage. The mountain of their situation. The mountain of their job. The mountain of their kids. The mountain of their, their health. Lord, they, they've given you so much of their life spiritually. But Lord, they need more. They, they need you to do more in their life this week. Beginning right now. So God, be the God that not only saves, but that moves mountains in our life. You say if we have the, the faith of just a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith, man, you can tell that mountain to move and, and it'll go away. And God, I pray that this week the people in our church will experience some victory in their life with some things that they need your touch on. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name today. And everyone said, amen. Go ahead and sit down. Man, I am so excited to be in church today. As a matter of fact, I, I am as excited for today uh, as I have been for a long, long time because of the content of our Bible study this morning, because of what we're going to learn spiritually, because of where we're going to end up today. We're going to learn like some lifelong spiritual truths today that perhaps, perhaps you'll need to put these in place in your life before you leave this morning. But if you don't, at some point in time, you're going to need what the Bible teaches us today. So I want you to, to hang on tight to what you're going to learn today because we're going to be, we're going to be given some real good life giving spiritual truth today. But before we start that, you know, I was just thinking, you know, how, how do I, God, how do I, how do I make this message memorable? How do I create a memory with what we're going to learn today that, so that for the rest of people's lives, when they hear, taste, see, smell, when something happens, that it triggers a memory to what we're learning today. Um, and God reminded me of a few things. Uh, he reminded me, that if you're over the age of 25, or maybe 28, or maybe 30, I keep getting older, and now as I, as I, talk, to, as I talk to young people about, like, Rudy Huxtable, um, you know, they look at me weird. But, like, if you know who Rudy Huxtable is, raise your hand. All right. So, some of us do. Like, if you're under the age of 20, you're like, who's, like, who's Rudy Huxtable? That's, well, she's Theo's sister. And you're like, who is Theo? And you're like, that's Bill and Claire's daughter. And you're like, who? And it doesn't even matter. I mean, it has nothing to do with this message. But if you're, uh, if you're over the age of 25, 28 and a half, 30, there may be nothing in American history that gets your juices flowing more than this. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, go ahead and turn it on. I mean, when you hear that, are you not ready to run some steps or like punch a Russian in the face? I mean, come on now. I mean, it's like, it's like, that is like, Ameri that, like that's in the DNA. Yeah, Brandon is jogging in the back, back and forth. You can't see him. He's running back and forth. And maybe, maybe the only song that gets you a little more amped up than that is, go ahead, go ahead and play the next one. Oh man, it's like, but now, you turn that off. You gotta listen to this song standing up. So stand up. Stand up. If you can stand up, you need to stand up. Cause we, we, we're about to create a memory in here this morning that's gonna, and you got, listen, you can't box with a Bible in your hands. Put your Bibles down. You think it's this church or something? We're, we're gonna create a memory 
this morning that for the rest of your life, you're hopefully going to go back. So go ahead and hit that song again. And, you know, every time I hear this song, like I just, you know, immediately begin to like jump rope in my mind, right? So go ahead and jump rope right now. Just go ahead and jump rope where you are. Oh, my goodness. See, we're going to fight Mr. T in about 30 minutes. And it's going to get real. You can tell me we're like really jump. There's like one guy over there. He's like. Man, he's like going off. Get a little shadow box. Go ahead. If, you, if you're with someone today, punch them. Just punch them. Just punch someone. If you're not with someone today, just hit someone. I mean, today, okay, turn it off. Turn. We, we, are, we are trying to create, you know, I was like, God, how can I create, go ahead and sit down. This is church, what do y'all, what do y'all think? I'm like, God, how can I create a memory that will help people remember what I'm saying? Because it's so important. And, you know, I, I think about the life of Rocky and, you know, the two most important words. I am like out of breath on the stage from my fake jump roping. Um, you know, the, the two most famous words that Rocky ever uttered are, yo, yeah, say, yo, Adrian, say it. No, you got to say it like Rocky. Say it like you've you got blood in your mouth and you're just talking out of the left corner. Yo, Adrian, say it. There you go. But, but maybe there's no greater moment in the 73 Rocky movies that came out than Rocky chapter, Rocky 4, right? Rocky has just defeated Drago. And uh, apparently that fight ended the Cold War. And, you know, and I mean, everything was awesome after that. And he's sitting in his chair, right, in the middle of the ring. They, ha- they hand him the mic. And, you know, he's like, Merry Christmas to my kid. Uh, and, he, and he utters these famous words. If I can change and you can change, then, remember what he said? Everyone can change. If I can change and you can change, then... One more time. You're not, you're not loud enough. If I can change and you can change, then... See, what we're learning today is Rocky can change. Rocky can change. So what are you talking about? Grab, grab your sermon notes. Grab your Bible. Grab your pen. Because you are in week two of a series on the parable of the sower. And our ushers are coming down the aisle. If you didn't bring your Bible today, they have one for you. If you just forgot yours, you can use this. If you don't have a Bible, this is yours to keep. Raise your hand, wave at an usher. Hey, I need a Bible today. I'd like to follow along. And they'll give you one. We've given away more than 300 Bibles since we started a church, uh, our church a year ago. This way, we like to open God's Word, read God's Word, study God's Word. But today is all about Rocky. Today on, on your sermon notes, if you're taking notes, today is about the Rocky soil. We're looking today, and last week we read Matthew chapter 13, and and we are, at our church this year, we're trying to figure out how everyone can grow spiritually. How do you go from where you are to your next step spiritually? How do do you take a step forward spiritually this year? Today we focus on a Christian that Jesus refers to as rocky, the rocky soil. And here's what it's identified as in Scripture. And I'm going to read the text in just a minute. But here's how you know if you're the rocky soil. And the good news is if you're the rocky soil, you can change. If I can change, you can change. Everyone can change. Russia and America are best friends. Thank God to Rocky and Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. The rocky soil, according to Scripture, is somebody who's not growing spiritually today, October 7th, 2012, Because they never follow through on their spiritual commitments. They've made spiritual commitments. They want to grow. They've thought about growing. They come forward at church. They they pray a prayer. They say a prayer. They start reading a book. This is someone who's stunted in their growth spiritually because they struggle to follow through 
on their spiritual commitments. These are people who love God. These are people who, in their mind, they would like to grow. These are people who, as they sit here, they've been excited for this series because they're finally ready to grow in their spiritual life. But if you are the rocky soil, this series will do nothing for you because you'll make a bunch of commitments that you don't keep. So how do we keep from being the rocky soil? Well, first you need to know that the rocky soil can change. Now, here's the goal of this series in this year. We said at our church this year, we, we want three things in year two of our church that for every person in our church to see happen in their lives. We want to see more passion come into the, the lives of people at Journey Church International. You might recognize we've added a worship song to our set. We used to sing three, now we sing four. We, we felt that one way to bring passion into our church was to do more worship and to do more passionate worship. And man, I loved to listen to you all sing today. And it's so funny. I tell Danielle, no matter what new, loud songs you sing, man, you sing an old hymn and you can just hear everyone singing because there's some stuff that's like deep inside of even people who are 20 and 25 and 30 and 40 that when that hymn hits, their soul just goes back to a time where they were sitting in church and they learn who God was. So, so we want to bring passion to everyone. We want to bring growth to everyone. We want everyone to grow spiritually this year. If you're a level one spiritually, we want you to go to a level two. If you're a level 10, we need you to go to level 11. And that, that will be next week. Next week, I'm going to hopefully blow your mind. If you're in here and you're thinking, you know, I'm probably the most spiritually mature person in the room, then next week is for you. Because you still need to take one more step. You're not done with your journey yet. I promise you. And then we want to see people create Christian friendships. The goal of last week's message, one of the goals of today is going to get you to try out a small group this year. I got a thing in my email last week from a, a, a church leadership deal I subscribed to that says people are five times more likely to disengage spiritually in their life if they don't join a small group. So if you want to grow, you're five times more likely to grow and to keep your spiritual commitments if you get in a small group than if you don't. So if you want to grow this year. If you want to grow this year, that, that, that's one way you can do that because Christian friendship grows people. But we're basing all this around the life, the teaching, the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 13, and what we call the parable of the sower. And, and here's what Jesus said. This is going to be our text, like I said, last week, this week, next week, the week after that, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. And here's what it says. The same day Jesus went out of his house and he sat down by a lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore and he told them many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and they ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell in good soil where it produced a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And then in verse 18, his disciples said, okay, we heard, what does it mean? So in 18, he, he described what he was saying. He says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Last week we talked about people whose hearts have been hurt they're covered up with a path and they're not growing spiritually because of some hurt that they've experienced. If you weren't here last week, check out our website, listen to that message. We had more than 20 people last week who at the end of the service raised their hand and said, I've had, a, I've had a hurt heart that has kept me from moving forward spiritually. Maybe that's you too. Verse 20 says, the seed falling on rocky ground, that's what we're going to study today, refers to someone who hears the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time and when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and they make it unfruitful. Verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Let me ask you a question today. Would your life, could your life be described spiritually as the rocky soil? Is the theme song of your spiritual life not Amazing Grace, but the Rocky theme or the Eye of the Tiger? Because throughout the history of your life, as you look back, you have made all these really excited, short-lived spiritual commitments where for a little while you, you really grow, but then you stop. And, and you get really engaged, and then you stop. And you read your Bible for a week or two or a month or two or even three months, and then you stop. Or you have a great year spiritually and then you stop. Is your life characterized by the rocky soil? If it is, we need to answer two questions today. One, why? Christian, why does this keep happening to me? No one makes a commitment intending to break it. None of us start diets, start workout exercises, start a new job, start a new relationship. None of us start new spiritual commitments thinking, hey, I'm going to commit to this, but I'll probably quit. We, would just, we wouldn't start if we thought that way. But why do we find ourselves making commitments that we don't follow through on? It's interesting when you look through Scripture, the Bible describes what I, what I call the spirit of the rocky soil. It, it describes why people don't follow through on their commitments. It describes spiritually what's going on with people who get committed, get really excited, and then they fall away. And then they get committed and get really excited, and then they fall away. And listen, I did youth ministry for eight years. The youth ministry is, uh, youth ministry is farming in rocky soil. Any of you who have done youth ministry, you know, that camp comes around, that mission trip comes around, and I'm telling you, it's like every kid commits their life to be Mother Teresa, you know, or the greatest Christian who has ever lived for about two weeks. And then it goes away until next year at camp. And then they commit their whole life to, and then it goes away. Youth ministry is literally, I mean, it's continuing to farm in rocky soil. Hopefully, church planning won't be the same way. But how do we make sure, how do we, how do we know why this happens and how do we make sure it doesn't continue to happen as we make commitments to grow? Good question. I'm glad you asked. We want to look at the spirit of the rocky soil described. Here's how Jesus describes it in verses 20 and 21. Here's kind of his overview. And then I'm going to give you some more New Testament scripture to help us understand that. Jesus said, the seed that falls on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and they receive it with joy. Verse 21, but since they have no root, if you have a pen or a pencil or something, you ought to circle or underline or highlight that, no root. Because they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Here's what he says in verse 5. Here's another word. This isn't my word. This is Jesus' word. If you get offended, don't get offended at me. Get offended at Jesus. Although if you want to be offended at me, that's cool. But I'm just going to read you a verse of scripture. Here's what, here's what Jesus says. The spirit of the commitment of the rocky soil. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was, what's the word there? Shallow. Now, I don't want to call anyone shallow spiritually. But Jesus said people who make commitments spiritually. And they have a history of making commitments spiritually and never following through. He said that happens because people are shallow. Their, their spirituality is very surfacey in their life. 
And we say, you know, how, how do people exist with surface Christianity? How does that work and how do I get out of that? That's the question and answer of today's message. How does shallow Christianity work and how do I get out of it? The, the Bible tells us why people make spiritual commitments and then fall away. Three reasons the Bible says this happens. Number one, the Bible says this happens when people have what I would refer to as a divided mind. James calls them double-minded. James was Jesus' brother. Uh, he wrote a letter to some people who went to his church. It's preserved in what we have called the New Testament in our Bible. And here's what Jesus' brother said in James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. James said, he describes some people who are like trying to live life spiritually, kind of. He says this, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. He's blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, and they're unstable in all that they do. Listen, somebody who is double-minded, someone who has a divided mind, more than anything, this may not be you, by the way. Somebody with a truly divided mind thinks this, I want my Christian life, I want my church life, and then I want my worldly life. And I really don't want those to meet. I want to learn about God. I want to have Christian friends. I want to go to small group. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want that religion thing in my life. But I do not want it to mess up my Friday and Saturday night, the rest of my life, the rest of my life. You know, I don't really want to change anything. I just, I need some of that religion, but I'm not going to get all in. A divided mind. The, the best word that you and I would use for someone who has a divided mind is the word hypocrite. This is someone who literally is two different people. Now, you may or may not know this, but the, the New Testament was originally not written in English. So the word hypocrite that we get the English word comes from a Greek word that was a theatrical term. The word hypocrite literally means multi-masked. That's what it means. It's a theatrical term. In those days, you would not go to the movies, you'd go to the theater, and more often than not, the theater was a one-man show, and this man or woman would play many different characters. This is the word that we have the word hypocrite from. I'm going to be on stage, and I'm going to be one person. Then I'm going to go change my mask and I'm going to be to, to, somebody totally different. And then I'm going to go put on my mask and I'm going to be... So like you have the ability to be three or four different people. Thanksgiving dinner around family, I'm this person. With my old high school buddies, I'm this person. At church, I'm this person. In my small group, I'm, a, I'm, I'm this person. At the clubs downtown on the weekend, I'm this person. You are multi-masked. You are different people in different situations, in different circumstances, you have a divided mind spiritually and no spiritual commitment you make will ever last because you really don't mean it further than the doors of the church. It's not for your life. It's for the Christian part of your life. And guess what? Christianity is not intended to be a part of your life. It's not intended to be a drawer in your life. It's intended to be the dresser, the whole thing. Everything is supposed to fit into your Christian life. So the Bible says that when you have a divided mind, like you're never going to grow. You can make every spiritual commitment in the world, and if you have a divided mind, you're never going to grow. Do we have people in our church who are hypocritical? Yes. Are there areas in my life where I am hypocritical? Yes. So what are we going to do about that? Hopefully we're going to grow. Hopefully we're going to identify those areas, and we're going to move past them this year and the second year of our church. Uh, number two. The Bible says some, some people are shallow spiritually. Some people are only surfacey spiritually because they have divided priorities. And these lead to premature commitments. Now, I believe the, the vast majority of people in our church that maybe could be defined as rocky soil fall into this category. My wife and I, if we were to have areas in our life defined as rocky soil, would fall into this 
category. If you, let, me, let me expand to this. If you have children, you fall into this category, spiritually and in every other area. Divided priorities, too much to do, so you make premature commitments that probably you can't even keep. But it keeps you from growing spiritually. Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter 14. He gives us a really interesting scenario about, about the way you should make a spiritual decision, the way you should make a spiritual commitment. And here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14. Luke was a doctor who traveled with a guy named the Apostle Paul. We think Luke spent a lot of time with Jesus' mother after Jesus had died and resurrected and went to heaven. So we think Luke was a historian. So probably he's quoting very accurately what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. And Jesus said this, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you only lay the foundation and and then you can't finish it, everyone who sees it is going to ridicule you, saying this person began to build, but they weren't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, won't he send a delegation while the other is still a long way off? And, And won't he ask for terms of peace? Jesus said, listen, no one makes big commitments in life without stopping to think about it first. Yet that's what people do spiritually all the time, and and so often that's what people are asked to do spiritually. It's like, don't think, just jump. Just make the commitment. And then when you don't make the commitment, it's like, well, you didn't didn't tell me the commitment had all those things. I could have told you I I couldn't do those. You know, these people in Luke chapter 14, these people in category number two, divided priorities, are the really, really interesting people because these are all people who desire the correct things spiritually. They just aren't sure if they were to be real honest whether or not their life has room for them. Do you all hear that too or am I just losing my mind behind me, that, that thing? Do you all hear? Okay, I just want to make sure. It's like I either have a demon in my head or something's making noise. Because I've heard about it ten times. Um, let, let me say that again in case you missed that, listening to the ghost in the background. Um, these people desire the right thing spiritually. They really want to live for Jesus. They're just not sure if their life has time for spiritual commitments. And here's what I want to say. And you, some of these things you need to write down. Because these statements, when you think about them long enough, are kind of profound in how true they are. Spiritual priorities don't become spiritual commitments until you act upon them. See, I can, I can in my mind have a priority. Yeah, I need to do it. Yes, in my mind, that is very important. Do you ever do it? No, I don't have time. It's a priority, not, not a commitment. True commitment is not a decision. It's an action. You'll know you are committed to something when you begin to do it. For most of us in this auditorium, having better health, losing a few pounds, being in better shape is a priority. We would say it's a priority. Is it a commitment? Maybe, maybe not. It's a priority. Is it a commitment? Maybe, maybe not. See, commitment is not a decision. Commitment is an action. And here's what I want to say about your spiritual priority. You need to hear this real clearly today. Your spiritual priorities. Well, I need, I need to go to small group. I need to start reading my Bible. I need to do this. I need to do that. Your spiritual priorities will never trump your calendar commitments. Meaning this. It doesn't matter how much you want to grow spiritually. If you're not willing to rearrange things in your life to allow that to happen, it's not going to happen. Your priorities are fine, but your actual commitments keep them from happening. Listen. Many of you, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, and I won't, many of you would say that your life is radically overcommitted right now. And you love to grow spiritually. You want to grow spiritually. 
Growing spiritually is a priority in your life, but you are radically overcommitted between your job and your kids' sports and just life and being a parent and keeping the house clean. I mean, many of you would say, you know, I, I would love to grow spiritually like I am just really, really busy. Listen, some of us need to rearrange our commitments. Some of us need to cancel some of our commitments. If we don't, you won't grow spiritually. You know, we had a team go to Guatemala last week that built a house that, uh, that our church paid for. And Pastor Ryan led that trip, and he had several people from the trip just kind of write, hey, tell, tell me what happened in your life through Guatemala. And here's one of the letters that, that came back from uh, a, a guy in our congregation. He and his wife went down who's a great guy, who's a really busy guy, like everyone else in here. But I, I want you to see what he saw. And I'd actually put together my message for this app, but I told Ryan, this fits perfectly because I think this, is the, uh, this would be the honesty that everyone in our church would have if they, like if they were just honest enough to say it. He said, Guatemala put things into perspective. The weeks before Guatemala, I had just been saturated with thoughts about my career, about what's next. Somewhere along the way of our trip, God really started doing a work in me to remind me that life is so much more beyond what car I am driving and how much earning potential my career might have. We all have the potential to be a blessing. Regardless of what is happening in my life, God started putting things in front of my mind that ought to be priority regardless of my circumstances, namely his word, time out of day to strengthen my relationship with God, my marriage, my quality time with my wife, with the TV off, just getting to know my spouse, being less cheap with my time. God takes time to be with us, and for some reason... I have acted like I am too busy to be with him. If we were to be really honest, there, there's just a handful of people in here who would say, I don't want to grow spiritually because I don't care. There are too many handfuls of people to hold that would say, I like to grow spiritually. I am too busy. Divided priorities that lead to premature commitments. I really want to grow, but I don't have enough money to finish that tower. I really want to grow, but I, I'm not going to win that war. I, you know, I love to study leadership, and I've been reading a lot lately on leadership. And if you're a leader, like if you own a business or if you lead people, if, if you're a school teacher or school administrator, um, two unbelievable books that I've read in the last year, Good to Great, which is, is kind of a business staple, a really good book, but a new one that a pastor wrote, Leaders Who Last, um, How to Not Burn Out, is basically what this is. And both of these books raise the value of one thing, time management by what's most important, stressing this. Every leader is overcommitted. Every leader doesn't have time to do what's most important and everything else. So at some point, a leader has to sit down, take inventory of their life, take inventory of their calendar. They have to cancel things that are good but not great. They have to cancel things that are important but not the most important. And they've got to learn to live by their commitments, not their priorities, or they'll never fulfill their spiritual priorities their leadership priorities. Listen, this is what Jesus is saying to us spiritually about the rocky soil. Yeah, they really, they really want to engage, but they're just too busy. If you're not growing because you're overcommitted, you need to change some of your commitments. Yeah, I talk to people all the time like, hey, you know, have you started taking a date night? No, we know a date night is really important, but, you know, our kid is playing 14 sports. And, you know, if he leaves one of them, like, he, you know, he might not make the Olympic badminton team one year i mean that you know that's how as parents we think i don't remember i say this to my wife daniel i don't remember being as busy at 10 and 11 as my 10 and 11 year olds are 
It's like I don't remember having practice every night of the week and every weekend of the year. I don't remember being that way, and I turned out okay. Danielle and I, for the first time in our son's life, are choosing this winter to hold him out of a sport. And you know the, the anguish of that? It's like, you know, if he doesn't play basketball this year, he may not become LeBron James. So, you know, but, you know, I suppose at the end of the day, he probably can't be Josh Hamilton and, I don't want to say Matt Castle, but, you know, so like an NFL quarterback and LeBron all at once. I mean, he can't be all of them. Any, I mean, what are we doing as parents? Letting our kids' sports schedule set the priorities of our life and our marriage and our Christianity and our spiritual commitments. I just don't have time. Jesus spoke about people who just don't have time. Commitments eat priorities for lunch every day. Hey, man, I'm going to make it a priority to go to small group. Well, here's when we have small groups. Oh, you know, I, 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 that's my bowling league. Yeah, I can't. Like, I've got a priority that I'm going to grow spiritually, but I've got a commitment on the calendar. Sometimes the calendar has to change to match your priorities instead of vice versa. And then there's divided loyalty. Why do I make commitments that I don't fully keep? Why am I not growing spiritually? Because you might have this divided loyalty. What is divided loyalty? Revelation 3, 15 and 16. Jesus is speaking here to a church that existed about 2,000 years ago. And here's what he said to this church. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot, cold, nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus said, your life is it's, it's just, it's just half and half. Like you haven't decided yet whether you're going to be all in spiritually. You're, like you're neutral towards spiritual growth. Last Saturday night, not yesterday, but last Saturday night, I was sitting in the front room with, uh, with my son, and we were watching the Nebraska-Wisconsin football game. Um, and my little girl Casey came in, and the game is on the TV, and she said, uh, Dad, who are you cheering for? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I said, I, I don't care. Um, and she was like, you don't care who wins? And I was like, not in this game. I don't care who wins. And Christian said, Dad, you, ha- like, you have to choose. You can't watch a game and not care who wins. You have to choose. And I said, well, Christian, I don't care. And like, he stood up and he's like, Dad, you have to choose. And I was like, okay, Nebraska. Gosh, you know, I, I, whatever. It's like, wow. Um, there are a lot of people who when I say, do you want to grow spiritually, yes or no, they're like, I, I don't care. I really don't care. Like, can I just come to church? Do I have to grow spiritually? Do I have to pick whether or not to grow spiritually? Like, I'd rather not. And like little Christians say, yeah, yeah, you have to pick. I love what Elijah said in 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah was a prophet. And Elijah said this. There were a bunch of people who were kind of, you know, in church on the weekend, in the world during the week. And Elijah went before the people and he said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Look, if the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal's God, follow him. But the people said nothing. They're like, can, like, can we not just... Can we not choose? Like, do we have to grow spiritually? Listen, you don't have to grow spiritually, but you should want to grow spiritually. And divided loyalty says, like, I just want to come to church, no strings attached. Whereas the good soil, which we'll talk about next week, says, I just, I want to, I want to be closer to Jesus. Whatever that means, I want to be closer to Jesus. And I'm not saying pull your kids out of every sport. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm just saying have an honest discussion with a calendar and say, are we overcommitted and not growing spiritually because of some of our overcommitments? By the way, a divided mind, divided priorities, divided loyalty, this is not just the reason you're not growing spiritually. This is the reason your marriage isn't growing. This is the reason maybe you're not losing weight if you start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. These three things will kill your life. 
divided mind, divided priorities, divided loyalty. You'll never accomplish anything in life, spiritually or otherwise, if, if you don't set your mind to something. So we see the spirit of the rocky soil. It's just it's kind of not in. And it gets real excited, but then it, it just goes away. So how do we overcome that in our life? How do we overcome the rocky soil in our life? Uh, it's the message title today. I don't know if you stopped to look at the message title, but if you should have, but if you did, you should have thought, what, what does that mean? How do you overcome the rocky soil? Boomerang. Boomerang. What does a boomerang do? What's a boomerang do? It comes back. What's a boomerang do? One more time. What's a boomerang do? It comes back. How do I overcome a lifetime of spiritual commitments that I didn't keep? You come back. You just try again. And you, and you see if this time, if it takes for you. In Genesis 35, we read a wonderful story about a man named Jacob. His grandpa was Abraham. His dad was Isaac. He was a pretty important, uh, pretty important fella in the history of both Judaism and Christianity. And Jacob was someone who... Uh, who basically had his youth camp experience. He had his youth camp moment. He had his mission uh, trip high where his dad had prayed over him a blessing and he was like on a spiritual mountaintop with God to the point where he fell asleep and God literally came to him in a dream and spoke to him. I mean, like the most spiritual high that you can have, Jacob had. And then for 20 years, he decided not to live for God. He'd been away from God for 20 years. Some of you are sitting in here and you're like, you know, I haven't really been close to God since I was a teenager. Christian, it's been five or ten or fifteen. It's been twenty years, Christian, since I've really been engaged spiritually. Meet Jacob. It had been twenty years since he had been engaged spiritually. Twenty years since we know of that he had prayed, that he had lived for God, that he had embraced who God had created him to be. Twenty years out of church, out of the Bible, out of doing religious things. And he decided after twenty years, you know what? Boomerang. It's time to come back. And here's the story we read about him, and, and his story is going to help us understand how to make a real spiritual recommitment versus just saying a prayer. Here's what Genesis 35 says. It says, Then God said to Jacob, Get up, go up to Bethel, and settle there, and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. That was 20 years earlier. That's the last time Jacob and God had, had hung out. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods that you have with you. And purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come and let us go up to Bethel where I'll build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who really has been with me wherever I've gone. I love this. Jacob, after 20 years away from God, admits this. Yeah, for 20 years I was away from God, but at the end of the day, he probably wasn't away from me. Like, probably he's been right there in my life the whole time. That's a great admission. Verse 9, after Jacob returned from Padam Aram, that's just a city, God appeared to him again and he blessed him. So when Jacob came back to God, God blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. What does a careful rededication look like? What is a rededication that doesn't involve a divided mind, divided loyalties, uh, or divided time? What, what, what does that look like? Divided priorities, divided mind, um, and divided... What am I saying here? Divided, divided mind, divided priorities, divided loyalties. What does a, a real recommitment look like that doesn't include those things? Jacob shows us here four things that I want to walk you through. Jacob said first to his family, if we're going to really grow spiritually and start following God again, he said, number one, we have to put away our foreign gods. 
Now, Jacob and his family carried with them idols that we found really his, his wife carried with her, and they worshipped foreign gods. But biblically, biblically speaking, an idol is anything that stands between you and God. It's anything that you put before God. Now, mentally, we would all say there's nothing between me and God. But if we pulled out your calendar, all of us would find some things in our life that are kind of getting in the way. We wouldn't want to call them idols because we're not comfortable with that. But that's what they have become in a sense. They stand between us and growing spiritually. Jacob said, you have to find the things in your life that are standing between you and the growth. And he said, you've got to get rid of them. Maybe you don't need to kill them all together, but you've got to rearrange where they are in the proper place spiritually because these things are standing between you and where you're supposed to be spiritually. Say, how do I find out what those gods are? Your habits, your schedules, your commitments, maybe your lack of commitments, your laziness, your activities. What is standing in the way of you being what God wants you to be? You have to figure that out. You've got to put that aside. Secondly, Jacob told his family, so we have to purify ourselves. Purify ourselves. Now, he was telling them, we've we got to clean up. There was a lot of ceremonial washing in the Old Testament and Judaism where people would physically get really clean before they went to worship God. But spiritually, this speaks to us in an inner sense. And, and here's the way I would say this. What would you not do on this stage with a microphone on your head trying to lead people spiritually that you do every day when you're not here? Like if I invited you up on the stage to give an announcement, like would you take your dip out before you came up because that would embarrass you? Or would you put out the cigarette? Or would you come up here and use the language on the stage that you use when you're on the job site? Or would you come up here and gossip about somebody who's sitting in the crowd? I mean, what are the things in your life that you freely do when you're not here that in the back of your mind you're thinking, you know, I probably shouldn't do that, but I'm not at church. You know, we like to play the God forgives me card, and we do. Jacob said, get the garbage out of your life. Like, if you want to grow spiritually... Just get the garbage and stop. Just stop. Don't do that. Put that away. I would challenge you if you want to take your next step spiritually. Purify yourselves. Number three, Jacob told his family, change your clothes. This sounds really, really interesting, but I I love the picture that God showed me of this this morning. Changing your clothes while while purifying yourselves would speak to an inward change. You know, would would you want us to take the last seven days of what's been on your computer screen and to put it on here with like your little picture? Hey, this is what so-and-so has looked at on the computer the last week. These are the TV shows that so-and-so has watched. These are the movies that so-and-so went to. Most of us wouldn't want that to happen. So that would be purify ourselves. Changing your clothes would be changing bad habits, outward habits. Because as you grow spiritually, they, those don't fit in your life anymore. And spiritual growth is just like physical growth. This morning I was leaving the house. My son is 11. And he started to grow quite a bit in the last year. And he's sitting there and I said, come on, guys, it's time to go to church. And Daniel had already left. And he said, Dad, my stomach hurts. And I said, well, like, are you going to throw up? And he said, I don't know, my stomach hurts. And I said, well, come here. So he came and I lifted up his shirt. And his pants were so tight that, like, I don't think he could breathe. And I said, son, I don't think you're sick. I think you're suffocating because your pants are too small. So, you know, I unbuttoned his pants, and, you know, they're like the, like the stretchy kind where you can stretch them and you can make them bigger. I, like, I let out all the elastic, 
and still couldn't get them on. And I thought, you need some new pants. So you need to go buy that boy some new pants. Now, here's what's happening that you don't see right now between Danielle and I. So I told Danielle and I, you need to buy that boy some new pants. And here's what she said back to me without speaking. You need to give me some money to buy that boy some new pants. So here's what I said back to her. If you quit getting your hair done so much, you could do that. And then here's what she said back to me. Well, if you wouldn't have went to the Royals game Tuesday, then we could have done that. So right, just right here, we just had a, a marriage fight. Just, I, just eyeballing each other. Like I could preach on marriage 52 Sundays of the year just, like, just for us. Because that's, that's the dynamic that just happened in our relationship in that 10 seconds. But like he has grown out of his pants. So he's wearing sweatpants today because I couldn't find any other jeans. Yeah. So it's all right. Jesus loves sweatpants. It's okay. Um, but it's like he doesn't fit in his clothes anymore because he's growing. Some of you, your old life should not fit you as you grow spiritually. It shouldn't fit any. It should be uncomfortable. Like you should say that word at the job site and it should be like, oh, like that, what? Like that doesn't, that doesn't fit in my life anymore. Or pop up that screen on the computer or do this or do that. It should be like that. It should make you uncomfortable. That is spiritual growth. Just doesn't fit in your life anymore. Change your clothes. And then number four, here's what Jacob experienced. After he did these things, we see exponential spiritual growth in his life. You see, before this, he was a father and a grandfather. That's it. Jesus said, you're gonna, God said, you're going to go from being Jacob, the father of people. I'm going to change your name to Israel. You're going to be the father of a nation. How much exponentially did Jacob grow this day spiritually? About three weeks ago, if you watched the Democratic National Convention, one of the biggest hooplas of that convention was what the the party platform was going to do with Israel. 4,000 years later, they're still talking about Israel. Israel is not just a place. It was a person. And God said, if you will just boomerang, if you'll just come back, and begin to grow, Jacob, I'm going to call you Israel. They're going to talk about you for the rest of the world. If you'll just come by a serious rededication, get rid of the gods, purify yourselves, change your clothes, and watch God explode your life spiritually. So what can you do immediately? Two things this week. Really, it's three. But there's only two bullet points, so I'll say two on your notes. This week, start a good habit. Start a good habit this week. Start it today. You say, what's the best habit I can start? Start reading your Bible. I'm going to give you this, by the way. This is going to be your first next step every week this month until you start doing it. Say, where should I read? Start in the book of Mark. Read the book of Mark, John, Acts, and James before the end of this calendar year. Last week I told you if you read five chapters a week, you could read all those by January 1st. This, this week you're going to have to start reading about seven chapters a week if, if you didn't get there yet. But I promise you, this will begin your spiritual growth. And if you've already done that, make two good commitments. So start a good habit, make two good commitments. What's the first good commitment? Go to a small group. Just try it once. If you don't like it, you never have to go back or you can try a different one. But just try it, just one time. You're five times more likely to keep your spiritual commitments if you join a small group. Five times. Those are odds that I would want in my life. And then start volunteering would be the second commitment I would ask you to make. You know, the the thing that I enjoy the most in our church on Sunday mornings is volunteering. 
Like this to me, when I when I get to come and teach the Bible, this is work. But this this is an intense period of work for me. I like it when I get here at 7 a.m. and I'm laughing with the guys and I'm setting up screens and I'm setting up signs and pipe and drape. I'm in my sweatpants and I'm just hanging out. That is fun to me. And then I love to be a greeter. I love to stand on the sidewalk till 1027. So I have to come in and put on my microphone and say hey to people. It's just mindless serving of people for me. And I love it. You will enjoy church ten times more if you just get involved in serving. We're not saying every week for the rest of your life. Just start serving once a month. I promise you, you'll begin to grow spiritually if you do that. If you already do these things, say, Christian, I read my Bible. I'm in a small group I serve. Next week is for you. Next week, I will tell you how to take your next step spiritually. And I I hope it's going to be a great, great Sunday for you. If you say, Christian, you know, I already do all those and I do what you're going to say next week. In two weeks, uh, I'm going to talk to you about the thorny soil. What is that? People who want more than anything to grow spiritually. But the stress in their life and the worry that they carry keeps them from doing that. You know, with every message, I'm trying to think, what can I get people to remember this message for forever? Today it was rocky. In two weeks, I've, I've asked a friend of mine. His name's Dayton Moore. He's a general manager of the Royals. I thought, who has the most stressful job that I know with people constantly criticizing him and i thought dayton so i called him and said hey i'm preaching on trying to live spiritually when you live under constant stress will you come and share your story that day just of how like how you do it spiritually balancing family and running a professional sports organization and trying to have a good marriage and be a good dad like will you will you come and share that with our people he said yeah so in two weeks he'll be here and we're going to teach everyone in this place how to take the next step spiritually because this year we got to grow this year, we've got to grow. If you're not where you need to be, boomerang. Come back. Rededicate today and start all over. Bow your heads with me. And as, uh, as we bow our heads in prayer, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here today, and, uh, and today you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you are like Jacob. Maybe 20 years ago, you had an awesome spiritual life. But right now, it's not so good. Say, Christian, what do I do? Come back. Just come back. If you're in here today and you want to rededicate your life, like a serious rededication that's going to become a commitment, like you're going to go home and you're going to rearrange your schedule to grow spiritually. If that's you today, and today you want to rededicate, I want you to pray these words. And you don't even have to pray them out loud. Just pray them in your heart. It's between you and God. And in a minute, I'll just ask you to, to raise your hand so that I can know that what God's doing in the lives of our people. But if you want to rededicate today, I want you to pray this. Just in your heart. You don't even have to pray it out loud. Dear God, I'm ready to come back. I pray that you'll forgive me for making commitments in the past that I didn't follow through on. Because God, I don't want to be shallow spiritually. I don't want to live a spiritual life without any roots. So help me to figure out what's in the way spiritually, to put away the gods, to purify myself, to change my clothes, and to begin to grow more than I've ever grown before. Today, I come back, and I ask you to help me to go further than I've ever been before. 
Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, nobody looking around, but if you just prayed that prayer today, would you just slip your hand up and say, Christian, today I have rededicated. I'm coming back. I'm going to give it my all. Just right now, raise your hand all over this place. Awesome. Awesome. And God, I pray for those who took the first step back today. The Bible says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So, Lord, meet our step forward with a step right back at us. And help us this time to make good and to follow through on our commitments. Now, with heads bowed and eyes still closed, if if you're in this room and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, for you it's not about coming back, but it's about arriving the first time. You've never asked God to forgive you of your sins and to be in your life and and to, to lead you spiritually, to give you eternal life one day when you leave this earth. Then you can do that. We call that process becoming a Christian accepting Christ in your life. And if you've never done that, today you can do that. You say, Christian, how do I do that? You just pray a prayer. So I, like, I, I'm not sure I know how to pray. I'll pray. You can just say the words after me, and if you mean them from your heart, this becomes your prayer of salvation to God who's listening. You don't even have to pray them out loud. You can just pray them in your heart. Pray these words, dear God. Today, I have decided that I want you in my life. And I want to be close to you, God, and I need you. So today by faith, which means I don't have it all figured out, but I'll trust. I ask that Jesus would come into my life, forgive my sins and the things I shouldn't have done, to cleanse me from the inside out, and to change me now and forever. Today I want to become a Christian. Pray that you'll accept me into your family, God. And I thank you for your acceptance. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer and today prayed to invite Jesus into your life to become a Christian for the very first time, would you just raise your hand so that I I can know? Just slip it up real high, real quick, and then you can put it down just so that I can know that today you've made that decision. Now, God, I pray for the men and women in our congregation. Because we need to grow, all of us. And God, last week, we had around 20 probably that said, my heart has been hurt, and that that has hurt my growth. And today, we had another probably 20 that said, I've rededicated probably for one or more of these reasons in their life. And in the next week, and in the next week, we're going to try to take steps as a church to grow. So bless us as we're on this journey. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do.